Hello and thank you for listening to this Youth Mental Health Podcast with the Northern Trust. My name is James Nelson, I'm a psychiatrist in the Trust and I'm very pleased to be joined by my colleague Mrs Bruna McKernan. Uh, Bruna, thank you for joining today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi James, my name's Bruna McKernan and I'm a qualified social worker working within the Northern Trust um, Children's Services now for over 20 years. And the last seven years I've spent um, working within the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service in the Northern Trust. Thank you for inviting me today to talk about um, understanding our children's behaviour. Yeah, um, good to have you joining, Bruna. And I know you've worked in a wide range of services, even within the CAM system. So that's very helpful of that experience to call on today. And the title of our podcast is My Child's Struggling, What Can I Do? Uh, and perhaps if we wanted to sum up the feelings of many parents who are coming in contact with our service in one sentence, that might be uh, what sentence we pick. And and Bruna, I know right at the outset, um, before we dive into strategies and tips and practical things, you were keen for us to just spend a moment or two thinking about what behaviour can mean in a child or young person. Do you want to kick off with that, Bruna? Thanks, James. I suppose whenever we get referrals into our service, it's very often we get behavioural descriptions of children and young people. You know, they're not going to talk to me. They've been throwing their clothes and items around the room. They're huffing. They're not, um, they're refusing to eat their breakfast, leaving the house. There's a variety of, of issues that we sort of get identified, you know, coming into the service. But I suppose in many ways what we'll have to begin to think about um, is what's really being conveyed in terms of behaviour. What's the meaning behind that? And although that sounds, sounds very easy and simple to be able to do, in the heat of the moment we we'll recognise that that's not always a position that parents and caregivers are able to be in. But I suppose really in terms of beginning to think about it um, whenever we meet with parents in our service, we'll have to think about what age and stage is my child at? What are they trying to be able to accomplish in terms of their development? Have they an understanding about what their feelings and emotions really are? And how do they link that to maybe a particular experience that they're sort of struggling to get their heads around? So in essence, I really begin to think about behaviour is trying to convey something to us and we just don't see it and take it in that heat of the moment what's happening. And of course, that's not that's much easier to talk about than actually to be able to do. Um, yeah, and I, I think in there, Bruna, are you saying that if we're looking straight to think, right, what do I need to do here? What's my strategy? We, we, we might even be missing a step there. It's, uh, the first strategy might be what's going on for my child or young person? And yeah. It's really important to remember that parents hold the key in terms of understanding their child because they're on the receiving end about the behaviour. But actually, if there's a bit of a pause moment, they can actually begin to think, well, now, goodness, two weeks ago they had a fallout with their friends and they're feeling a bit more anxious and worried about going to school. But they might not know that they're the feelings. They might be coming across and like, I don't want to go to school or, you know, there might be a bit of a tummy ache or a wee bit of a headache so those are the sort of things that are maybe coming across in terms of that so it's actually beginning to think about oh right okay and I understand this in time I'm trying to make sense of that behavior others 
other suggestions might have for older children and particularly at this stage is that they mightn't have kept up to up to speed with all of their homeschool learning and perhaps there's a bit more of a reluctance there to go into school because then they have to sort of be able to produce the goods and the yeah. homeworks and the stress levels are high in young people so then they might begin to internalize that and what you might have is limited discussion or maybe some huffs and grumps out of them and parents are left sort of confused. So it's just trying to figure out what other factors are maybe at play for your child and trying to sort of join that together and helping your child to understand their feelings and emotions around their behaviour as well. There's a lot in there, Bruna. Um, I'm thinking of that phrase about playing detective um, of, yeah. of trying to understand what's going on for my young person and, uh, and and there's maybe something quite empowering for parents something encouraging or and carers that they actually know their young person best and um as you say they have the the keys for that and it's just being able to think as well family life will go through its its challenge in times as well for some families there can be a very sudden loss for other families there can be a parental separation there can be a death of a significant um, aunt or uncle, grandparent, and all of those things, everybody in the family will cope with at different points in times. And also we find that children and young people are pretty amazing because they often tell us they don't want their parents to worry. And therefore they maybe just don't want to share how they're feeling or be able to express that because they're actually trying to look after a parent because they're just conscious of that and they're picking up maybe in that, you know, as well. So we also have to not underestimate as well what sometimes how intuitive and sensitive children and young people are as well. That's a very interesting one and quite a complicated one isn't it Bruna I've heard that plenty of times as well I don't want to tell my parents that I've self-harmed or I don't want to tell my parents that I'm really struggling because they've got enough to worry about and I don't want to stress them out um yeah have you any advice on that one Bruna how a parent could you know tackle that one and very often I um whenever I'm talking to parents as well I begin to think look Children and young people at any stage need to find the security of home and they like to be able to, as an adult, for you to find that you can actually manage and tolerate the difficulties they're having because that's your that's the, the task associated with parenting. Although it's very hard and challenging that you're there for them and you're there to provide that consistent care through challenging times and positive times. And equally as well, I suppose I've often encouraged parents and caregivers to seek some self-care as well. And if they're struggling with things, there's other resources that they can use as well. Just being able to talk to a family, another family member or um, their GP or another professional if needs be, because it's the whole family's a system together. And I often tend to think to myself what one does impacts on the other. And then I suppose it's just about how we just try to support each other, but ensuring that the roles of adults are, are for to be able to provide care to their children. And I suppose it's just trying to be mindful of that because children, young people need their opportunities to grow and develop too. Yeah, we, we've talked about quite a bit already about behaviour and trying to understand it and there's meaning in it and trying to play detective and... Um, 
And maybe there's there's a time and a place for that as well, Bruno, isn't it? So if, if, if a young person's going totally ballistic, that's probably not the time to go, do you know, I'm thinking you're maybe actually a bit stressed about, you know, maybe in the here and now it means let's go for de-escalation first and, and calm down and then later on we can pick, pick up the pieces. But um, how, how to bring the heat out of situations and um, uh, yeah, put a lot in there. And whenever we're talking about um, children being very frustrated um, and at a time whenever we want to intervene, it's just really important to remember about every child's different. And for example, if I think of myself as an adult and I'm sort of cross about something, I might necessarily want to hear, oh, you need to calm down. I actually might want to vent that out a bit more. Yes, yes. And then I'll take the time to process it and understand what that was about. Yeah. So just remember, as you're saying, James, parents have the key. They have the relationship with their children and young people. So it's just trying to figure out when's the time and that I might be able to introduce um, and understand a bit more about what's going on from my child and young person. And also encouragement in there that it is difficult. Uh, there are difficult points and, and self-care is important and personal space for a parent uh, when they can get it is also important too. Thank, thanks for, for all of that, Bruno. And, and, and then just moving on to to another topic uh, of anger. I know that you were interested that we would touch on, on the issue of anger and also later on about sleep and about positive times with young people. But but just maybe thinking about the anger bit first, Bruna, um, a very big topic. Uh, lots of things can make lots of people cross. And and I'm guessing for sure in your referrals role in our service, you, you, you hear this coming through quite commonly about young people getting really, really cross and really, really angry. So yeah, what, what, what's our wisdom and thinking on that one? So anger is a healthy emotion that we all express, both children and adults and young people. But I think it's really important to remember it's about how you're able to express that in a healthy way, which isn't destructive or harmful to yourselves or to others. Okay, so very often we might hear about anger in terms of school. And then whenever we're beginning to deal with that information is beginning to think about does a child actually understand what's being taught that day do they know you know what's being asked of them so sometimes that can be linked to as a child learning and able to keep up with the subject matter often as well that can come out at home in terms of frustration as well that they maybe haven't been able to keep up with the tasks in school so we do hear a lot of anger coming through in terms of relating to school matters. Another aspect that we find anger sort of emerging will be a lot of young people using their Xboxes and their gaming online. So very often we'll hear about broken controls or they've lost a game and they just really feel it's the end of the world. So I suppose it's really beginning to think about children learning the skills to be able to manage. Yes, I get angry, but I'm going to have to learn how to break that down and be able to deal with frustration because as we know life's going to teach you that in due course just to emphasize we're talking about breaking the anger down not breaking the xbox controller down yeah yeah okay (laughs) just checking and i think what we'll want to be able to do is teach your children how to be able to sort of manage that in a very responsible way because this is such an important um, life skill for children and young people to acquire as they move in terms of adulthood and and I think as well, just remember, sometimes anger can be a scary emotion as well. 
and sometimes that can be quite hard for um, children and young people to be able to recognise and be able to begin to sort of manage that. So it's beginning, as I was saying earlier as well, thinking about knowing your child, understanding the strategies that might work to be able to sort of help them cool down and regulate and then having a conversation with them about what was really going on and understanding that behaviour again. Yeah, I mean, there's similar themes coming out already. Bruna, isn't there there about anger, about knowing your child, what works best for your child? So in a sense, if mm-hmm. someone was coming to us as professionals saying, my child's really angry, what do I do? One of our first things might be to bounce that back to them and say, well, what have you learned from the past? What's worked before and what definitely hasn't? And then remembering as well, your child's going to be at different different ages and stages um, of development and it's about how they're trying to accomplish that because we know adolescence is going to bring about that you know conflict between wanting to be um, independent but equally being able to do that with a safe way that you know ensures about their safety and well-being still remaining within family life as well um, so that's also the challenge as well about that. I'm I'm going back to what you're saying there earlier, Bruno, uh, about anger and where's anger coming from. And you mentioned about school, and I can think of one or two young people I've met, and it took us as professionals and and parents a while to actually work out. But the child really wasn't understanding much at all of what was going on at school, and everyone had thought they had, and it was building up and up and up, and then eventually, boom. Um, so I'm I'm struck by what you said about that. And do you think it's a fair enough thing to say, Bruno, that anger doesn't kind of come from nowhere? Um, sometimes parents will ask us, you know, we need anger management, we need to manage this, but I'm always drawn to the thinking of, well, what what's making a child or a young person angry? Yeah, and I'd agree with you, James, because you could look at it in a way that's what happened just before, then the behaviour and then the consequences. Mm. Mm-hmm. But equally then we need to look up as well other factors that might have been around as well because we do often hear that you know there can be the fallout with peers at school there can be that just um part in terms of just and I tend to think that it seems to be we get more referrals about boys actually in terms of feeling angry as well and I suppose it's just being mindful that we'll want to be able to understand a wee bit about how they can also learn about their emotions and feelings as well and being able to demonstrate that in a way that's not always causing consequences, for example, whether that's a suspension at school or whether, you know, things like that. Uh, let me just pick up on one thing you said, Bruna, and uh, it's a tricky one, okay, so warning, this is a hard question. You mentioned things like Xbox and stuff and, and people getting really angry off the back of that, and I know what you mean. What are your thoughts about limiting things like Xbox time? Let's get really practical. Would you be up for that or no, no, no? I do think that there is something about how we manage in terms of those types of um, interactions and games. And I suppose I'm just thinking of a parallel um, sort of experience because that's about stimulation, about excitement and about play, about learning and turn tech and all of that there. We wouldn't be encouraging children and young people if they're out playing a football match, wouldn't be playing that sort of sport forever. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's beginning to think about how young people can get very absorbed into that type of world. And it's beginning to think about how do they get their natural breaks? How do they sort of come away from that? And what's even happening to their be sort of 
the concentration and then it's the knock-on effect of that i think for some of our children young people we hear at night time yes and then it's the impact of that in relation to sleep and it's a bit of a an ongoing um and then how do they get up in the morning for school okay so any any adolescents listening to this will be very disappointed that you're encouraging the the thought of some limits around uh gaming but 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 i hear you and i agree with you and 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 maybe just to move on to sleep rona um you're you're mentioning about that really important topic (laughs) We, we we chat to families a lot about it and of course it can link into anger and emotions and if sleep's not right it can knock everything off and it can knock the whole family's routine off as well so uh, any any particular thoughts about that okay i think sleep is so crucial we know that in terms of brain development the functions of sleep that we all need to have or i, I suppose really for adolescents is recommended a minimum of 9 hours sleep um, per night Sleep serves a really important function about being able to process the day's events, sort of restore our energy. So it's got really important aspects to it. And for any of us, even as adults, we know if we get disrupted night's sleep, the next day becomes more of a challenge. It can impact on a bit of irritability, ability to be able to finish off tasks. So I begin to think about it's really important then in terms of our children and young people to be able to have that consistent routine of sleep. And we know that if you're feeling more rested, your concentration is going to improve at school. You're going to have more enthusiasm for doing things. And also then sleep actually gives us the opportunity to be able to have a calm, a calming down of the day as well Mm. so it's really important and I suppose that's one of the things that I just am always sort of exploring with parents in terms of thinking about our our sleep hygiene as well with young people because we know there's the impact of the mobile phones we talk about this every day in terms of checking whether that's Facebook or TikTok or things like that there so that keeps the brain more activated which impacts on our sleep and just you mentioned the term sleep hygiene and, and some people might wonder what, mm-hmm. what does that mean exactly? Do you want to say a wee bit more about what we mean when we use the term sleep hygiene? Yeah. Okay. When we talk about sleep hygiene, it's, be- it's about how we have our rituals at bedtime. So it's that. And they are particular to each house in terms of how they're established. Some houses might go for, you know, like the cues for younger children so that no bedtime's coming up. And whether that's the supper time whether it's the bath time and then bedtime and then maybe story time. Mm -hmm. And in actual fact, that's a lovely opportunity. Very often um, children, young people might actually use that as the time to share some of their worries or anxieties. And that can be a lovely time whenever it's quietened down, but worries are still maybe a bit more activated that actually parents can hear a wee bit more about what's been going on that day. Um, that might have just not presented earlier in the busyness of family life between homeworks and means and sports. So I think it's it's another good time to be able to connect with children and young people. Yeah, and, and, and sleep hygiene then, we're thinking about habits and, and good sleep habits and things that won't get in the way of our sleep. And it, it also brings to mind, for me, things like caffeine and energy drinks. I remember one family... And the young per- person couldn't sleep and we established they were drinking 15 fizzy drinks every single day. We thought, well, you might need to fix that uh, before we start thinking about your, your sleep more broadly. Y- you did mention at the start, Bruna, about routine. 
and the importance mm-hmm. of sleep routine. And I'm and thinking about quite a few adolescents we meet might sleep in a lot at the weekends. They might stay up gaming. They, they might get out of bed at lunchtime and things. So if there's a parent listening to this and, and that's the situation at home for them, what, what are your thoughts or, or, or practical tips around that, Bruna? Okay. And I think that one of the things that might be helpful is always about ensuring that um, the young person then will be getting up at the same time every every day. And that's a big challenge. But we know that whenever we begin to think about behavioural intervention or that, the bedtime routine is actually the easiest routine to be able to manage. So I think it's all about the compromise, particularly with adolescents. You know, if we're thinking about gaming, it's a bit of a gift to get. You know, um, because they may want to game on um, a bit longer. We know there's international um, gaming with different time zones and countries and all of that. So it's it does present with its challenges. And but I think then that has to form the relationship between um, parent and young person because it becomes it can become a difficulty whenever it impacts the next day in terms of functioning. So it's yeah. about how. Um, that gets best managed. I'm struck by what you're saying about a regular wake up time. If I had a pound for every time I've said that to a family at CAMS, I'd have a lot of pounds uh, in front of me. And and I'd also, um, if I had a pound every time a young person rolled their eyes at me when I've said that, because it really isn't cool and it's not the done thing to get up early on a Saturday and a Sunday. But just even as we're chatting, I'm thinking if someone's usually getting up at say seven and then a Saturday and Sunday they get up at 12, I mean, that's maybe like a five hour difference to you and me. That's a jet lag to deal with and all the impact of that. And so we can easily understand how it'll get out of sync. But but probably quite difficult to sell that to a teenager that that's a good thing to do. Yeah. And I think that's about the compromise then in terms mm. of that. You know, parents figuring that out about what they're prepared to give and how they're able to sort of meet in the middle around all of that as well. Do you know? But I think where we need to begin to think about it is if I were five hours sleep deprived I'm not so sure that I would be doing a good enough job the next day I'm work (laughs) I think that and it's beginning to think about what would I want as sort of um, an adult but it's also that really important role that you're playing for children preparing them coming into um, adolescence and also young adulthood as well so um, not easy but our new challenge of the 21st century and then, Bruno, maybe just to move on to our last main main topic of today, and, and I know you wanted to touch on positive things and positive time between parents and carers and, and young people, because we can uh, often in services like ours and in home life get quite focused on problems, get quite focused on behaviour not being what it might be expected to be or sleep or anger or something like that. But I know you wanted to draw us to the the, the, the more positive aspects of interactions and in family life. And I think, as you're saying, James, we've nearly covered some of the problem lists then, Mm -hmm. which I suppose for any of us, if we're constantly coming across the challenges and difficulties, it can be hard sometimes to keep going with that. And in some ways, it's maybe easier to sort of give in to some of those uh, more challenges. So whenever I'm in in work and and working with parents and young people, um, it's beginning to think about What's the positive time? What is it that you do to get something back in the relationship? Because there has to be the reciprocity there because that's what keeps us going. So it's the give and take. And in in many ways, we have to think about 
um, I say for younger children and that it's about play for example so it can be um, what games that you play with younger children whether it's the imaginary tea party but that actually helps kids to develop their language understand in terms of give and take and actually lets them see that you're interested and willing and, and keeping up with that and it's a very pleasurable experience do you know maybe for some of those kids at primary school bringing out the old board games which have come back into fashion again and again that's a wee bit more about turn taking hearing from each other and connecting and it's actually being physically present which is really important. Now our adolescents will come along with maybe just wanting to stay at a distance um, from their parents, but it's also really important adolescents still need to know that the, the security of home life and parents there. So it's about trying to figure out with your young person, what is it that they might want to do with you? Is it the, is it the trip to the cinema? Is it bowling? Is it going out for a walk? And it's just trying to factor that in because you may find that you'll actually have a few laughs along the way, learn something new. And actually that's the nice positive bank of memory that you'll have in there as a parent or caregiver that'll keep you going through the difficult times. And also, I think sometimes information comes out that you just weren't aware of, as opposed to when it's in the heat of the moment and there's been anger might actually just learn a bit more whenever it's all more relaxed and positive. And as you're talking, Bruno, I'm thinking if, if a young person's struggling, maybe around anger, maybe around some other emotions, that actually doing something different, doing something positive together, um, building those positive memories, as you say, in a way that is a kind of a strategy for the hard stuff, isn't it? It kind of it helps, even though it's not direct, uh, directly tackling the problem, it, it can it can really help stabilize things and help keep keep things going when times are tough. And it's also just you know still giving out that message to um, young people and children. I'm still here. You might test yeah. me out, you might challenge me, but I'm physically and emotionally present, and I'm able to hear that. And it's I suppose like um, regardless of whatever's going on, I'm still mum or dad, and. I still really want that connection and relationship. That's very powerful when we think about it, isn't it? It's, it's I'm here, I care about you, let's do something together. Um, yeah, that that's worth more than, than a lot of other things put together, isn't it? Um, great, thank you, Bruno, for, the, for that helpful reminder about, about positive things and, and, and taking time to invest in relationships and in home and family life. Um, and we've touched on it, uh, albeit briefly, on, on lots of things there about behaviour and understanding it, about a little bit about anger, a little bit about sleep and a little bit there about positive aspects and really trying to build those up and resilience, things like that. Uh, I'm just wondering if we were trying to sum some of this up, Bruna, into one or two sort of takeaway messages for, for a parent or carer listening. Uh, how, how might we sum this all up? I think it's really important that very often... Um... <laughs> families will come to services or they're always seeking out um, that somebody's got the magic toolkit there which over the years of my experience it doesn't exist I wish it did <laughs> but it doesn't the really important message is that as parents and caregivers you know your child you have seen them along the way 
you can read their cues, you know them. And it's about at times um, life events will interfere with that we'll, and we will have ruptures and repairs in relationships. But it's really important that you have the key to your understanding your child and you can help them to understand themselves. And that's a really powerful intervention and responsibility that um, that will really help them to develop into adolescence and into adulthood. Thanks, Bruna. Yes, that, that reminder that there can be challenges and there will be challenges along the way, but as a parent or carer, uh, to be encouraged that they know their their young person best and and not to underestimate how how powerful a role they can have when 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 things are difficult and, and I wonder Bruna if, if someone wanted to read a little more out of our discussion today are there one or two resources we could point people towards there are indeed James there's um the Sully Hull approach to parenting which is an online resource and parents can access that and they also provide a parenting program online as well which can sit with um, child care arrangements and in addition to this at a local level there's also parent parenting ni as well and they have a website with a variety of topics um, and parents can access that too okay that's great and we'll embed those links into the text of the podcast so it's easy for people people to find um thank you for for joining me today bruna thanks for talking through some of those important issues i appreciate that and thank you too to you uh, our listeners um we'd be very grateful if you wanted to respond to our very brief online survey about these podcasts it'll just be embedded in the text of the podcast if you wanted to give us a little bit of feedback or suggestions of future topics you'd like us to cover and we hope you find today's podcast helpful.